Welcome to Champions for NorCal Kids, a podcast designed to highlight the great champions and work for the youngest members of our community in Northern California. Join First Five Shasta Director Wendy Dickens and First Five Tehama Director Heidi Mendenhall as they discuss and highlight topics, resources, and community champions that are focused on children ages zero to five and their families. Topics will cover advocacy, direct services, resources, and support in the rural northern area of California, but will often be applicable to life anywhere. Their goal is to inspire, empower, and cultivate a sense of community filled with hope and connection. Welcome today. Hi, Heidi. Hello, Wendy and Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. Heidi Mendenhall with First Five Tehama, and we have a guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hello to all the listeners. My name is Sarah Grijalva, and I am a resource development quality assurance specialist at Far Northern Regional Center. Well, thank you for being here, Sarah. We're very excited to have you come today because I think we need to make sure people are really aware of what Far Northern Regional Center is and that they are actually really a regional you know, service provider. So a lot of the counties that are in um, this upper rural Northern California area are actually serviced by Far Northern. So which counties do you actually service? So I have to write them down because we serve so many. Yeah. Uh, we serve Shasta, <laughs> we serve Butte, Glen, Trinity, uh, Lassen, Plumas, Tehama, and Siskiyou. So all of the inner far northern counties uh, are the ones that we serve. Great. Um, yeah. And so um, tell uh, some of the listeners and Heidi, what specifically you do with far northern? So uh, as I said before, I'm a resource development quality assurance specialist and a diversity specialist as well. So what that means is I go out and try to do outreach like this. Usually it's in person, but uh, given our current circumstances, that's not possible. And I also help find out if there are any businesses or nonprofits that are willing to work with our clients, which are people with developmental disabilities. We help them get contracted with our regional center so then they can start serving our families and our clients. Um, so that's pretty much what I do. And then I pop in and ask for resources for our clients and for our community. That's so awesome. I actually did not know that that specific position existed. And it is so comforting to know that you care so much about reaching out and really engaging the whole community. <laughs> Well, and you know, uh, the resource development and quality assurance position was already there. Um, now they've just thrown in the diversity part, which is very important. So it's it's a kind of brand new position for us too. So it's exciting. <laughs> that's awesome. I actually started my, uh, well, I guess that's, maybe I didn't start my early childhood journey, but one of my very first, what I considered my real jobs was mm -hmm. to be an early childhood special education teacher. And so I worked a lot with many of my Far Northern counterparts on transitions and um, transitioning families from receiving, receiving zero to three services to three to five services. And so I learned a vast deal in my 22 and 23 year old years about work and supporting families and how to put families first and children at the center, um, things that were talked about in school, but I got to really see come to life with my far Northern colleagues. And so that's, I always hold them near and dear to my heart and feel like I always have learned a lot from you. Oh, that's so good to hear. And I'm so happy that you were able to learn a lot about us. I know uh, that 
there are a lot of different uh, perspectives on what we do. (laughs) (laughs) As with many things, there are a lot of perspectives on, right? Um, I think, you know, I also got to work real closely with Far Northern um, Regional Center Services when I worked in child welfare, because many times families didn't know um, how to access or didn't know that their child needed services, um, which is why first fives are so, uh, you know, kind of interested in all of the different things that Far Northern does, because we're a prevention um, mechanism, but we also want to make early intervention a priority for families in our communities. And uh, a lot of times families don't know where to go. So Help Me Grow is one of the things that we promote in order to make sure that we're a conduit to getting referrals and resources to um, Far Northern. But people don't have to go through Help Me Grow, right? Like they could do something directly with you. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So if you're a community member, whether that is first five, uh, a neighbor, a family friend, aunt, uncle, grandma, um, if you live in the far northern region, so again, Shasta, Butte, Glen, Tehama, um, Trinity, Lassen, Plumas, and Siskiyou, then uh, you can just give us a call. We have a referral line, which I'll give you guys at the end of our interview. And uh, that, as long as you have the parents' permission, saying, hey, we're not sure uh, if your kiddo is right at at that level that they should be in terms of their development, then you can just go ahead and give us a call and we'll take it on from there. All of our referrals are free and we give free evaluations on the type of delay that you as a parent, uh, community member, et cetera, are um, concerned about. Help Me Grow also has a portal for ages and stages questionnaires. So parents can also access the ages and stages questionnaire to even have a little bit more information when they come to you as um, a parent. And so, you know, there's a lot of different avenues. And that's one of the things that we want to make sure that parents are aware of is that you don't you know, have just one door, um, but you can get to um, a lot of different resources through Help Me Grow, but also go directly sometimes to those resources and knowing that they can provide you with some additional things. But if you do the ASQ through Help Me Grow and there's some developmental, you know, areas, even if they're just in the gray, going to Far Northern for additional kinds of tips, tricks, and maybe another evaluation, which is a little bit more in depth than the ages and stages questionnaire is something that's appropriate. And I think that that was a great thing for us to know and to be able to present to others because I didn't um, really think that in the past when I've worked with Far Northern, it was really something that was offered for parents to just come. It was really more, you know, something that was promoted through, you know, getting different referrals. So I'm glad that parents do have the availability to just come to Far Northern. How would they, um, and we will just for the listeners, they will get some of the links that you provide throughout this conversation, as well as any of the referral numbers. Um, And we can definitely make sure that that we tell them that at the end as well. So what if a parent does call, what is, what should they expect? So right now uh, we're trying to find a different way, but um, you'll be greeted with a nice voicemail. (laughs) And uh, in the voicemail, if, you could just give us your name, some contact information, um, and what are your concerns about your kid if it's a parent, right? So 
Are you concerned about uh, the their speech? Are you concerned that they're not picking up objects? They're not right where they should be, or just you have some slight concerns about their social skills, anything like that, or if you have a kid, if we haven't connected with you already, if you have a kid that maybe has seizures or uh, any kind of concern that would be tied to a developmental disability. So um, that could be epilepsy, cerebral palsy, things like that. Um, so those are the kinds of informations that we would need. We, we want to know your concerns. Uh, so when we know your concerns, we can help you better guide you in terms of uh, evaluations and things like that. We can help you dig deeper on your concerns. Great. And I think it's really important parents know that, that there is these resources available because if you have a child who has some needs that um, could have intervention earlier on, it's going to be easier for them as they progress into the formalized academic setting. And when they turn three, what magical thing kind of happens to them, Sarah? Oh boy, so when you turn three, the magical thing that happens is that um, school districts take on a lot of the supports that we were doing through our early start. So let's say that you were getting assistance with speech therapy, occupational therapy, um, or physical therapy, then those would move on to the school system. And uh, the schools have the funding to continue helping that child with those needs. And in addition, you also have um, other agencies that help kind of uh, transition you out into those school age needs. Great, and, and you know, if a parent is struggling, let's say they didn't get connected to you earlier in the process and their child's three, but they don't really know what direction to go in, um, and, but they're having concerns now that are a little bit greater than, oh, I, I think maybe they're a tiny bit, you know, having issues. Um, what should they do? How should they navigate? Should they reach out to you or what would you suggest? Yeah. Yes. So even if you're not in that zero to three uh, and maybe they're four, they're five, and they're starting first grade, second grade, you know, and they're starting to see that they have some social issues, some more um, other concerns that weren't there before, you can still call us. Uh, we, uh, we accept clients up until the age of 18. So even if you're, I don't know, God forbid, something happens to your teen and uh, they're not the same anymore, they need more assistance, you can still call us, we'll still do the evaluation uh, and we'll still walk with, with you through that process. I think, you know, it's always nice to know that you can still go to a, an organization mm -hmm. and know that there could be some support there, even if, you know, you're just discovering what the better resource will be for your child as you know you may not stay with far northern necessarily if the qualifications aren't specific to far northern support systems but you know you definitely have that availability for at least walking through that process like you said and i think that is sometimes one of the things that parents are most scared about are i know that if i you know if that were happening for me 
sometimes the systems that you're trying to engage with seem big and scary and have lots of different parts to them and can be a little intimidating. Uh, so having the information that you can still go and ask questions and have someone help support you through mm -hmm. that and walk you and then give you better resources if they are not a good fit is, I think, important information. The other thing I, um, you know, this is very anecdotal, but I have a good friend who works for Far Northern and she actually is often the one sending me resources from the community that aren't necessarily Far Northern related, but she seems like this amazing um, curator of things that are supportive to families, right? And I know that that's not maybe technically a part of the case management support or the navigation support, but they become so, um, steeped in the needs of their families that I think they're really good at, at making those connections, which is also something that Help Me Grow is really good at as well. Um, so the more the more tentacles we can have making connections, the better, right? And I really appreciate that about her specifically. <laughs> yes. Well, and you know, uh, something that we teach our uh, case management or service coordinators as we call them is that we, we teach them that even though if we can't pay for a service or if we don't have that service, we always encourage them to ask the other service coordinators for these types of other services that might be through other local organizations. So even if you don't think we might have the answer and if you're already connected with us, give us a call anyway. We might just be able to connect you with someone that might help you. Awesome. That is so great. I, I, you know, I think for uh, the people who are listening, knowing that there's a lot of different ways to have a child supported or your family supported can be relieving, right? You know, it's, it is a, a bit of a scary, intimidating thing if you're a first time parent or if you're a parent who's having some struggles with the child or if you're a care provider. It, that's having a little concern um, and you know, you're not sure how to help support a parent. So is it appropriate for them to call you or is that better for them to call Help Me Grow? Yes, so uh, if, uh, if let's say this caregiver um, is concerned about the, the child, a, a child in their life, whether it's babysitter, grandpa, grandma, aunt, uncle, uh, if they have the permission from the parent, if the parent's okay, well, sure, you can give them a call, then we'll take it. We just want to make sure that um, mom and dad or parent are, are involved in the process and know that the referral was made to us. And I also uh, wanted to point out that, is it, that yes, we, we, have a, we have agencies rallying around your families and your children and truly, it does take a village to raise a child, right? Yeah. No, I just, just so true. It's so, it just never, that one never gets old, right? Like, I think at any point in time, at any time in your life as a parent, at any point in time in your life as a community member, you can see that ringing true. Like, you are part of the village in so many ways. And we all need the village in so many ways. So much. Exactly, exactly. Um, and when we can start to be a 
village again and not so siloed in our approaches either as an organization or as a community or as a neighborhood um, or as a family then we can get the support we need and that will help you know kind of really mitigate and prevent future adverse childhood experiences so you know that's one of the big things for us as a first five and i know that far northern one of the things that i think is really helpful is when you're providing some of these services you're also giving some tips and tricks to parents uh, around how to help them understand better and how to help them work with their own child in a different way so that they're less frustrated. Um, can you kind of tell us a little bit about that kind of process? Sure. So once a family gets connected to Far Northern, they are assigned a case manager or, as I said before, a service coordinator. And that service coordinator, uh, they're like a family navigator through the waters of agencies, so to speak. And part of that is also educating them, uh, you know, letting them know that even if they have a delay or uh, I've had a parent that I went uh, and visited and they were like, well, she's having issues reading. And we asked, well, are you reading with them? You know, encouraging them that there are little tips and tricks like reading to your child every night or, um, make sure that you're talking to them, you're interacting with them, you're playing with them. Uh, th those are very important, very easy things, but sometimes when you're so wrapped up on, oh my gosh, my child has this disability, they have all of these issues, I, we forget that we can go back to the basics as well. And we didn't pay her to say that, y'all. She just said talk, <laughs> sing, and play, and we did not prep it because this is something that First Five is, you know, this and our strengthening protective factors framework. These are our two big missions. So, yes, talk, read, sing, play. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, and I'll probably, uh, on a personal level, too, I used to work for Pathways uh, for Hope to children here in Shasta County. So that kind of helped me ingrain that too. So might be a little bit of that talking. <laughs> I love it. I think that's great. Um, and Pathways to Hope uh, for Children is also a great resource for our families with their parent partner program. And I believe they probably do a lot of, you know, uh, making sure they're supporting families and getting referrals to Far Northern as well, if they're seeing some things that are probably needing a little additional support for the kiddo or for the mom and dad or aunt, uncle, sister, whoever's care provider, right? Right. Sure. And we have, I, I've had anecdotally heard of families that are served by both agencies. So just because you have support from one agency doesn't mean you can't have support from another. Exactly. And I think that you can coordinate services with different agencies so that, you know, you're not duplicating, but you're providing the best opportunity for the family to feel the fullest support that they need around the developing child, right? So it's really a holistic approach as well, I think. And I feel like that's the best way to go, right? Because you're going to help reduce the frustration for the adults in that child's life. And then you're going to mm -hmm. help that child with some new tools, tricks, and things as well. So I love it. Um, so what are some things that you think the listeners should also know about that maybe we haven't covered yet? Well, so I know that this podcast is focused on our zero to five kits, but um, as I said before, uh, if you're 17, if you're 16, we'll still be there for you. And even past those ages, uh, once you become a regional center client, uh, or in this case, a far northern regional center client, you can be a client for life. Let's say that you move away 
then there's the regional center in LA, in San Francisco. So that kind of support for your child that becomes an adult will stay there as long as you want us to be there for you. So do you want to speak in general about kind of some of the qualifications that are required to participate in case management services specifically with Far Northern? Sure. So with our zero to five or early intervention, it, we have our, uh, we go out, we do the evaluations and then the, the family after we've had interviews with parents, teachers, psychologists, et cetera, they're taking to what's called an eligibility review. So it's a team committee where we have uh, our professionals taking a look and seeing, yes, this child really needs assistance with speech therapy and occupational therapy to help get them going. And if we do our job right, then this child will not need services after that a certain amount of time. But let's say that you hit three years, your child's still having some issues. They're still not quite there where they should be. They're taken back to this eligibility review and then they become uh, what's called, it's kind of certain, a little bureaucratic and I apologize, Lanterman Act uh, case management services. So what that means is uh, you, are now receiving case management services through a different kind of funding. And also because you kind of check certain boxes in terms of the developmental disability. So um, what do we count as a developmental disability? Uh, that would mean cerebral palsy, epilepsy, autism, um, and intellectual disabilities. And uh, if you have any of those, and then on top of that, you're having issues uh, with your speech, uh, with being able to be independent or your self-care. So uh, let's say, I don't know, you have a five-year-old or a seven-year-old that's still having issues with going potty. That could count as a self-care um, delay, let's say or the visit, and they're still having issues with socializing with their peers. That could count as another kind of issue that, you know, sometimes you might just have that issue for life and you just need that extra assistance to help keep you going and still be a part of your community. Um, so those are- A little bit with you just to help kind of clarify for the, the everyone listening, whether we're families or, or leaders. Sure. Essentially, what I heard is that there's a couple different funding streams. Yes. And um, early on, zero to three, you're mm -hmm. receiving case management through one funding stream. Doesn't matter what the name yes. is, right? A funding stream. And often the requirements to receive case management, meaning support, connection to outside resources, occupational therapy, speech therapy, um, maybe physical, you know, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. that looks like they're a little bit less stringent, right? So we are seeing like, we're gonna start kind of a greater population with a little bit less delays because the research and science shows us that if we put energy in up front, our, we are so plastic and so malleable. If we are, um, once we hit that three-year-old mark, then we may still get case management services through another funding stream 
but likely we only will continue to receive those services if our delay is more significant and then you describe some ways that that delay might be more significant is that kind of yes yes or no yes correct okay. you you made it a lot more simple you know i i think i've just been so into my system that sometimes i forget so yes thank you so much for clarifying perfect one of the things that we often do right that's part of a first fives role in my opinion and sometimes what we do is we builds um, connections within our community, but we're also a forum to, to bring together lots of people, but also sometimes we're there for the clarifying um, help, right? So that's why we do this. So um, it's a team, that's what it takes, right? So I wanna shift gears just a tiny bit unless there was anything else you wanted to add to that. Um, nope, I think we got that dialed down pretty well. So, I anyone that lives in our area can receive services. So whether that means um, you're living here and you don't have documentation, you can we can help you. And if you don't speak English or you have limited English, we can help you too. Um, we currently have bilingual staff that speak uh, Spanish, Mian, and Hmong, which are our biggest minorities here in the North State. Uh, but if we have a family, let's say, I don't know, they speak Russian. If we don't have someone that speaks Russian, then we can, we, by, by law, we have to find someone that acts as a translator to help us meet that need. And uh, in the terms of programs that we have, uh, because we have such a big Hmong, Mian, and uh, Spanish-speaking population up here in the North State, we have helped develop what's called a Promotora program. And it's a little bit similar to, I, I kind of want to call them a community connector. So they serve as a bridge between us, Far Northern, and the families that need, uh, that are Hmong, Mian, and Spanish speaking. So, uh, you know, a lot of times with these families, uh, there's that cultural barrier and that language barrier. And on top of that, you put in these big bulky systems that sometimes just don't make sense or parents don't even know where to start. So uh, the hope of this program with the promotoras is that once there's, they're connected with us, if they're still having issues or they need an extra person to help them and encourage them to talk about what's going on, how can we help, then we connect them to a promotora. So they connect more one-on-one um, -on -one with that family uh, than with our service coordinators. And then there's that connection, hopefully that bridge again, between Far Northern and the families. Would you say that the Primatura's goal or role is to try and put that family first, put the family's needs at the center and then build the service around it? So if it's I heard you say language barriers and potentially cultural barriers, and I think that could be misread because I, I think you mean like we are reaching them in the culture that their personal family experiences and building around that. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, and what I meant to also say by cultural barriers. So for example, we, we have a big Latino Latinx population here in throughout the state and not all of our Latino population speak Spanish. So, but you still have that cultural barrier, right? So we want to make sure that we don't miss, miss those folks either. So that's what I meant, but yes, we 
want to try to build uh, the services around the family, not the yeah. other way around. <laughs> yeah, so I love critical. that. That's so critical and I appreciate it. I think, you know, it's really important for us to be mindful that we have to reach families where they're at, regardless of um, what we're thinking is important for them. We may not always have all of the answers as professionals. And so I love this support, this kind of supportive role that you want to play and that you're using the family to, to give you the information um, and then give them some ideas if they aren't ready already have some ideas, right? They may have the answers, but just don't know how to access those types of support systems. And so, you know, I think sometimes we come into a family as a professional and think we already know the answer. Uh, but if you go in in a more open way, which is what this sounds like, you're gonna find out really what their needs are and what their struggles are. And that brings equity, which is another thing that First Fives really specifically try very hard to make sure is being achieved. And we want to have the um, equitable uh, service delivery in our community and that provides some of that equity. And it's it's not about, you know, um, there's lots of terms for cultural humility, cultural, you know, all of those pieces and parts, uh, but you still don't know someone's family culture uh, because that could be different than the mainstream culture or, you know, the culture that they came from, from, right. you know, the country that they're um, immigrating from. So I love that. Sarah, are there um, ways, like, from a community perspective, if we thought, man, from an agency level or community level, we wanted to connect, get involved, learn more, learn ways to collaborate, do you have ways to reach you or who, who folks should oh, connect yes. with? Oh, yes. So that would be me. <laughs> For now, that would be me. And uh, you can give me a call. I will put down uh, the Reading office's phone line along with my extension. Um, you can drop me an email, give me a call, leave me a voice message if I don't answer, and I, um, I will be there. And, or I'll try to be there. So for example, we have to, um, we have to, uh, you know, let's say, there's a food distribution that you have in Corning or in Shasta Lake, et cetera, reach out to us. We will reach out to our case management and we will make sure that we get, um, we get you all connected. Great, that's awesome. And we'll make sure that all, like I said before, we get your links and your you know, phone numbers into our uh, podcast um, descriptor. And you know, we'll make sure that people understand um, how to get a hold of you. So we really appreciate all the information you've been able to provide and this opportunity for families to feel support and get answers that maybe they aren't getting. Because we also know that sometimes you go to your pediatrician and you he isn't as concerned or she isn't as concerned, but you still have lingering questions. And so Help Me Grow and Far Northern Regional Center are there to answer those lingering questions about development, whether that be social emotional development um, around, you know, making sure your child's interacting, like you said, with other kids and peers, um, or whether that's about development. They haven't learned a potty train. They haven't sat up like other kids their age. They haven't done some of the things that you're just very concerned about as a parent. Um, so I really appreciate your time. All right, so we typically do this thing called five for five, because we're first five, we have some... <laughs> We have some questions we love to ask, um, and uh, we typically ask them, um, and do you want to do this today, Heidi? 
Um, I will start out and we'll see how it goes. Perfect. Um, your favorite childhood book? Ooh, um, could it be a series of books? I sure. am absolutely in love with the Harry Potter series. I am still a Potterhead. I am a Hufflepuff. <laughs> I'm a Gryffindor. <laughs> uh, so that is truly uh, that that series of books. I was already a reader, but that series of books uh, helped me dive, truly dive into uh, the world of reading throughout my childhood and teenage years. I love it. I read them and then my youngest daughter, we read them together and now she's reading, or my oldest daughter rather, now she's reading them. Now my youngest daughter is reading them and we are Potterheads too, this family. Um, so we have our houses and we um, enjoy watching the series, but um, my oldest regularly tells me that when the movies, number three, number three is where we're at always because that's her favorite. Oh, one. oh yes, a hundred percent. I agree. <laughs> Well, she'll be happy that you're in her camp. I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So what's your favorite adult leadership book? Oh my gosh. So um, I don't know if the listeners know, but we're here in Zoom and I actually have a couple of, one of the books that's my favorite leadership book. So I went to UC Riverside and we had Shola Richards give us the making work work as part of the conference and that's one of truly one of my favorite adult leadership books right now and then I haven't read the book but uh, I listened to the podcast and I went to a uh, training and I really also love uh, the concept of dare to lead by Brene Brown. Awesome that's so fun that you had the book at your fingertips. Okay your favorite childhood song. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, I'll have to think on this one. So I am between Twinkle Twinkle Little Star in Spanish because I, uh, I grew up in Ecuador. So a lot of my childhood stuff, it's in Spanish. And then uh, Ojos Así by Shakira. I am a huge Shakira fan. So those were my two favorite ones. <laughs> oh That's awesome. Yeah dying to listen to Shakira now. She's Mariposa is one of my favorites. Um, your favorite adult song, and then I'll let Wendy ask the last one. My favorite adult song. Um, so this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but uh, right now my favorite adult song is uh, September uh, by, um, gosh, what's his name? It's the September song by, gosh darn it. I'll have to we look that up for you guys, but it's called the September song. And so far it's my favorite because that's when I started dating my boyfriend who would now been together for two years. So there you go. I love it, I love it. <laughs> well, that's the point. The point is that reading and singing are connected to our lives, right? Yes. <laughs> so there's two different ones. Are you talking about the J.P. Cooper song? Yes, the J.P. Cooper song. But I also love the Earth, Fire. Yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth, Wind, and Fire. I love both. Uh, just September is a nice, uh, happy, romantic month for me. <laughs> yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire is the one I'm most familiar with. It's a very good song. All right. What is your favorite way to play? We ask this question because play is important 
for learning in children, but it's also important for adults for self-care purposes and stress relief. So what's your favorite way to play? Oh my gosh. So um, outside of reading, because I'm still a big reader, my favorite way to play it's dancing. I absolutely love dancing. Um, Pre-COVID, I was going to salsa. I was going to bachata, West Coast West Coast Swing, East Coast Swing, you name it, I was there to try it out. <laughs> so that's my form of play. Yay, I love dancing too. And in my family, we sometimes dance it out and we have a fun, we have fun with that. So <laughs> yes, yes. Well, thank you again very much for joining us today. And thank you to the listeners for joining us as well. Remember to check out the links in the podcast or go to www.first5shasta.org or www.first5tehama.org for additional information, resources, or needs. You can also directly email either Wendy at wdickens at first5shasta.org or Heidi at h-m-e-n-d-e-n-h-a-l-l at first5tehama.com. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and will join us again. Remember, it only takes one person in a child's life to make the difference in building resiliency. Will you be that person?